You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through a series called A Beacon of Light, a case study of Hezekiah. And so if you have a Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. We'll have the words on the screen as well, uh, but it's an Old Testament book where we've been sort of surveying um, just about this guy, Hezekiah who's a king, in this series called A Beacon of Light. A Beacon of Light. You know, it seems more and more like these days that we live in are darker. They're full of sin. Uh, There's a lot of hurt and brokenness. And I believe that God understands this and wants to address these issues through Scripture and give us some hope, some encouragement. And many of us, sometimes we don't mentally think about that because it's sort of like we're a fish in water. It's just our culture. Sin is prevalent. But did you know this is not the way it's supposed to be? In this dark, broken world, how people are making all these decisions that are just against God, there's consequences for that. And in the midst of that culture, we see this guy named Hezekiah who becomes a king, a person of influence. And actually, because he lives for God, it affects his life, his family, and the whole nation of Israel. And so I've been learning a lot. I hope you have as well as we've been studying through Hezekiah with the reading plan, with studying scripture. And uh, I was telling someone today, my, my messages have been quite a bit longer because with these narratives and getting through it, it's like, Man, 50, 55 minutes, solid. But I'm going to try to make it a little bit more, more um, maybe I shouldn't say this because you aren't supposed to lie in church, but I am going to try to make tonight a little, a little bit shorter. But hey, we'll see. We ain't gotten going. What else are we going to do? Go watch Netflix. Let's get in God's Word. Let's enjoy Him tonight. And uh, we're going to talk about another important aspect from Hezekiah that we're learning. As you guys know, we're learning about leadership or we're learning about, um, what's another topic that we learned about? Anyone know? Pride. That's right. Last week we, we, we talked about pride. We're going to sort of pick up the story where we left off yet last week as sort of a part two, sort of. Same story, different point. Last week we really focused on pride, right? Uh, we focused on pride, and um, this week we're going to talk about how God's perspective was to test Hezekiah how Hezekiah was tested. So it's the same story, but it's a different bent. You ever watch those movies where they give you two different angles? This is sort of what we're doing here. We're going to pick up the same story, but we're going to learn. Last week's principle was this, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. It says this, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Man, what a lesson to learn. Hezekiah had pride. Uh, he He had pride in his heart. And we need to guard against pride in our heart. It's dangerous. It's deceitful. It will cause us to be self-reliant. And the Bible tells us that God wants us to remain humble, meaning we have a right recognition of ourselves that we are not God and we need God, submitting to him and we'll be blessed. And so we need to stay humble before God. And this is an important lesson because when we start becoming proud in our hearts and just self-reliant, it's actually something that causes us to stumble and to fall. And we saw Hezekiah do this. However, we also saw him repent and turn to God. And the beautiful thing about pride in our lives is God says he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves and live for God, he gives us grace. He gives us love. He shows us mercy. And we could turn to him and we could repent. And so this week, what I want to do is I want to look at this same story, and I'll do a little bit of review, even though we're not going to go through the whole chapter and read it, 
Okay, so I'll do a little bit of review, but I want to actually look at God's point of view from this story of how he was testing Hezekiah as he told Hezekiah he was going to be sick and he healed him. And the princes of the Babylonian kingdom came to Hezekiah because of this miraculous healing. You see, God doesn't want us to fall. And so he wants us to continually depend on him. So he brings trials and he brings tests in our lives to actually bless us, to actually bless us. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, as we sort of think about this subject, I want to sort of set it up. He tells us about this with testing, with trials, with hardship in our life, having God on our side. He says, brothers, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, meaning there's going to be various kinds of trials in your life. It does not neglect that God is not real. He is with us in those trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God wants to walk through us in trials and testing and hardship so that we can actually remain steadfast and remain in Him. Steadfastness, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, Paul exhorted the church in Corinth to do. And God wants us to remain in Him. And so in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering as believers, as brothers, as sisters, those that put their faith in God, it is not because God hates us. It's actually because he loves us and wants us to remain dependent on him. And so he brings situations into our lives to test us, to cause us to remain humble so he can pour out his grace upon us. God wants us not to lack anything. And in this verse, it says he wants us to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So he allows trials, he allows testing to mature us, to continue to remain humble before him. Just like any good exercise or muscle, you have to put some pain to gain, right? You have to do some lifts and it's sort of uncomfortable, but there's a good outcome or result for it. And so in this broken world, which we know is dark, God wants to give us light. And I want you to see his heart behind him allowing things that are maybe uncomfortable to us so that way we can get the ultimate good thing of him himself. So the process is not very, much, not very fun, but it's important for us. And we see this exemplified in Hezekiah as we're going to talk about Hezekiah tested tonight. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 27 through 31, we'll read this section and then uh, we'll pray, ask the Spirit of God to teach us again and give us some energy to just study his word and worship in that way. And so let's read together verses 27 through 31. The words, I believe, are on the screen. But if you have a Bible, it's a lot easier to see with the light. I know these words behind me are very small, but on the video, they look really good. So you're welcome, podcast. All right. So we pick up the story in verse 27. And Hezekiah, this is the king that we're studying about. At this time, he had great riches. He had great honor and he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, for all kinds of costly vessels, storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. So you see that he has all these possessions, so much so that he has to build storehouses, things to it. It's not like just put some money underneath your mattress. God has poured out blessing in an abundance in his life of these possessions. In verse 29, he likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance 
for God had given him very great possessions. Now that's sort of where we left off last week. Now we continue these next verses to show you the other side of the same story that we're going to talk and review tonight. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gion. Now remember that was uh, where Hezekiah was delivered and he built that wall in those tunnels as Pastor Robin taught us and directed them down to the west side of the city of David and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. God was blessing him. He was prospering. And so in the manner, verse 31, of the envoys of the princes of Babylon who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left him, speaking of Hezekiah, to himself in order to test him and to know all that was in his heart. So let's pray and let's ask God to speak to us. God, we thank you so much that you know our hearts, you know our lives, you know everything that's happened to us and will happen to us, and yet you love us, you care for us. So we are here in an attitude and a posture of worship. We want to desire to to learn more about you. We want your spirit to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, for all, all the activities coming up in April. But Lord, to celebrate your resurrection, how it means uh, that you are a God that is alive, that we, you bring us together in fellowship. We pray for the, the family game night, that we can have true community and fellowship, and not only in these events, but in our community groups. We pray, God, for the mental and health, um, the mental health uh, event coming up, that, Lord, we would understand that you being alive make a difference in our mental health and our posture and everything that we do, God. And so we right now invite you in prayer in this moment, in this space, to speak to us, to do a work, God. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you know everyone, that you desire to speak and you desire to uh, teach. And so, Holy Spirit, teach through me as we look to your word. We thank you, God, for this moment and this time. We ask, Lord, that you'd be glorified and that you would be praised. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's do some review. Let's do some work. Because obviously those few verses actually cover a lot of text like we looked at last week in 2 Kings chapter 20 and Isaiah chapter 38. Okay, And so at this point in Hezekiah's life, and we're almost done, next week we're going to see sort of the last message in the legacy of Hezekiah. But at this point in the story, Hezekiah's experienced great success. Did you notice that? There was abundance, there was prosperity, there was a lot of things good going on. Here's what we know. Him as a leader, he was a godly leader. A godly leader. And we've learned godly leadership from Hezekiah's life. What does it look like to serve the Lord and to influence others? Well, we can actually see Hezekiah is a great example of that. He was victorious. There was many wars and he lost some battles, but the Lord fought for him and he was victorious in other things. At this point in this text, it says that the princes of Babylon, they came to talk about how he had this sign and this healing done to him. Hezekiah was going to die. He prayed and God actually answered his prayer. Aren't you so glad that God answers prayer? He can heal. And Hezekiah at this point was healed. He experienced a miracle. He had been promised a long life, an extra 15 years. And he had a connection to a great prophet, the modern day prophet at this time, Isaiah. Literally not just uh, like Micah or Amos that were of the day, alive at the same time. Hezekiah had interactions with a man of God, the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah writes about Hezekiah in his whole letter in scripture that we've learned. We've seen remarkable signs done to him. Uh, and, and done through him. And at this point in his kingship, he was wealthy. He was famous. It says he had great riches and great honor. 
He was praised and honored not only by men, but by also God. Truly, he was a good king. He was exceptional. And 2 Kings 18.5, where we've sort of been giving you this spoiler alert, he had a great life. 2 Kings 18.5 says that he trusted in the Lord and the God of Israel so that there was none like him uh, of all the kings of Judah. He's a great example. He's one that's trusting God. God is blessing him. There's a lot of success and blessing when following God. And he's experiencing that. But yet we see in this story that Hezekiah, he wasn't perfect. The Bible says that no one is perfect, no, not one. It doesn't matter if you're a king, a pastor, or uh, you know, a parent. You are not perfect. We're broken and we're struggling in sin. And Hezekiah, although he's a great example, he's supposed to actually teach us that there is a greater king, King Jesus, coming through his bloodline that would save the true Messiah, God himself. And so this is always a danger for us as we study history to look at someone and say and just elevate them and make them an idol. And God, even through this text and this story, shows us, hey, he's a great king, but he's not the ultimate king. Jesus is the ultimate king, the one that should rule our lives. And he's the one that we should glorify. And because Hezekiah struggled, like we all do, he even struggled in the part where he had success. You know, oftentimes we think, well, we got it going on. There's a whole bunch of bad stuff happening and we want to give up. But we get off guard when things are really good in our lives. We, we tend to have the pride of life and our own success and our own attitude like we deserve it and we're good enough and we're doing this. And this is what happened to Hezekiah. God told Hezekiah that he was going to be sick and going to die. Get your house in order which is some biblical counsel is the mercy of God because the Psalms tells us that we should have our house in order. We should walk in wisdom. What will happen when we die? These are something that the Bible addresses for a specific purpose, that we can actually going to give an account to the Lord Jesus Christ for everything that we've done. And God in his mercy and his grace has given us this message and this good news that we could put our faith in Jesus and enter into heaven, not because we're so good, but because of what Jesus has done. And so he says, get your house in order. You are going to die. But Hezekiah does something amazing. He humbles himself. He prays. And because he prayed, all of heaven moved. His reality changed. Things happen when we pray. Let us not forget that as we even come in on a Sunday night and we're worshiping God and singing these songs, something spiritually happens when we pray. And we should not lose heart. We should keep on praying and keep on persevering. And God heard his prayer and the man prophet Isaiah was out his way and God said, I've heard his prayer. Turn back. Tell him he's going to live. Just like when you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. There is something miraculous that can be done through prayer. And we need to learn that through this story. And so Hezekiah actually gets healed and God gives him a sign, this sundial. It's a crazy story. Again, this is all review. I literally read the entire text uh, last week, but I just want you to understand this because Hezekiah said, Isaiah said, hey, go to the house of the Lord in three days and worship and show yourself to be healed. Hezekiah's like, well, I need a sign. How do I know that I'm healed? More, some like you guys may say, well, how do I know that I'm saved? God gives us signs like the resurrection, like the spirit of God indwelling in us, like joy and righteousness in our hearts. He confirms things that he does and he tells uh, Hezekiah, he says, okay, what sign do you want? Would you like the sun or the shadow to go forward 10 steps or to go 
backwards 10 steps. Now, if you go old school, it's not like a normal watch, a digital watch or something like that. It was a sundial. And so Joshua uh, chapter, I think it's, uh, I don't remember, six or eight, or do your own Bible study. It's in Joshua. God actually made the sun stand still. We know that God can do this. He does do supernatural miracles like this because when he speaks, he creates the whole world. Everything that you know, the Bible says, God created in an instant with his mouth. The word, boom, let there be light, there was light. Let there be animals, there was animals. So God is able to do miraculous, and Hezekiah in his mind, this is literally what he says. You can read it, but he goes, well, I think it's harder for the sun to go backwards, for us to go back in time, than like the sun to move forward. Give me that sign. I mean, they're both miraculous, but he's like, let me get the harder, times harder sign for the sun to go back and the shadow to move back 10 steps. You know what happens? The shadow moves back 10 steps. And this is a big deal because the princes of Babylon hear about the healing and this sign. This wasn't just like an a, 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 um, a interaction between Hezekiah and Isaiah. No, Hezekiah's prayer and his request to God affected the entire world right then and there. People actually understand and knew this, and they were like, what in the world just happened? God was on the move. He was working. But in Hezekiah's pride, he boasts of his own success. Can you believe that? See, these princes came from Babylon, and they weren't the leading emperors uh, or the leading government of the day. It was the Assyrian government. Uh, the Syrian government was battling, uh, battling um, Judah and Israel at that time. And so they came from a far distance. They heard about this. And Hezekiah in his pride, well, he sins and he trusts in the things of the flesh. And he starts boasting and bragging and tries to align his government with their government rather than just continually trusting in God. He had everything good because he trusted God. But when everything was good, he stopped trusting God. And Isaiah said, you fool, why did you do that? You didn't even pray, you didn't ask God. Because of this, I'm going to send punishment to you. And we would know 100 years later, prophet Jeremiah would lament and cry out and weep because the Babylonian kingdom would come and conquer Judah and Jerusalem and take their children into their land because of his sin. Now, David Guzik's commentary on 2 Kings chapter 20 says that Hezekiah sinned in these ways. And this is just, a, and again, really, he sinned, and I want to give you a little bit of review, but of a different slant, and to just re- recap. He said, first off, he sinned with his pride, what we talked about last week, in that he was proud of the honors the Babylonians brought. They brought this gift. They esteemed Hezekiah, and like, you're so amazing, you're so good. And he was like, yes, I am. I am pretty awesome. This is pretty good. And he started to have this pride of this self-reliance. And we see that because it plays out through ingratitude. Because if you notice, he took their honor for himself that should have been to God. He shows them all of his possessions and boasts in his stuff rather than boasting in God. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom or the young man boast in his strength, but yet let those boast in the mighty name of the Lord. That's what Scripture says. 
And you have these pagans that worship false gods that were coming to see a miracle of God. And rather than pointing God, uh, rather than pointing um, them to God, Hezekiah points them to himself. He didn't thank God. He was honoring himself in the pride of life. He had this carnal confidence. And so now he's saying, okay, I have this opportunity. This government's coming. Let me align myself up with them for stability, for security. But we know that he was supposed to align his heart and his alliance with God and pray to him. So he, he wanted to impress this cult, this, this, these people to get a coalition to find security. He was shifting his trust in a government rather than God. Haven't we seen that take place in the church recently? When you shift your trust into government and alliances and politics rather than God, the Bible says don't do that. Why would you do that? Finally, we see the missed opportunity that he had great opportunity to testify of God's house, the blessings of Judah, all that God had done. But when Isaiah said, what did you say? He didn't say, well, I gave glory to God. I praised him. I took him to the temple. Oh, they just said this and he moved on. And so this is important for us to understand that even when we have experiences with God, his blessings, when we are successful, we can still sin and no one is perfect. And we need to be on guard for this. Because I think sometimes we're really on guard when we understand we're in a fight. But when we don't understand we're in a fight, that's when the enemy comes and knocks us out. We're really on guard and desperate for God when we need him. When, we, when we're struggling with our finances or need cancer healed or we need some God to move. When we go to God and it causes us to continue to go to God. But when everything's cool and everything's great in our lives. We can go out to dinner and we have some good friends. Everything's just sort of normal. That's when we really need to be on guard as well. For a different type of sin. For a self-reliance. For pride. We can not only rely on our success or our past success, but we need to continue to walk in humility and rely on the Spirit of God. Listen to what Galatians 5.16 says. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. When you continue to have a posture to walk with God and to live for Him, it'll guard you against your own heart and your own life of doing stupid things. Now, you may not say it's stupid, but I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. Maybe I'm just alone. But when I do my own thing, and they're stupid, and I don't get guidance from God's word, or godly counsel, or just do things because, oh, it just feels good. I mean, that's just dumb. That's just, you're just bound to fall. And the scripture actually tells us, hey, don't be stupid. Act as if there is a God. Trust Him. Rely on Him. And in our flesh, we don't walk in the Spirit or invite God in our life. We just do our own thing. And that could be a dangerous thing as, just as much as pride. David Guzik says this, and I quote, Many men who have stood strong against temptations and failures and weaknesses fall under the temptation of success and strength. Haven't you found that to be true? Because again, we're on guard. When we fail, when we mess up, there is a natural consequence for our sin. We blow it and everyone sees it. And so we don't want that consequence, so we want to change it immediately. Like, don't do that. 
When we're weak, it's apparent. When we fail, it's apparent. If you're unkind, you'll have no friends. If you sow discord, there will be no unity in your life. If you constantly compare yourself, you will always feel inadequate. There are some just natural progressions of consequences for your own actions. So when you are weak or when you fail, usually there is enough consequences for you to be alert and want to change, right? No one wants to do, go down the road of suffering, of doing stupid stuff and keep on getting hurt and hurt and hurt. We're all intelligent people. We want to learn and grow and not go over and over and over again being punished for doing something dumb. It keeps us humble. But when we're strong, when we're successful, when we do things and they bring a great reward, there is a temptation now to rely on ourselves and not God. Because if we did this, then there was this consequence. So it must be us, right? That we elevate it. We, we think there's this entitlement. There's this success. Let me just say it this way. Sometimes it could blind us. Sometimes success can blind us. Strength can deceive you. Because you have a natural projection or a situation and you think it's because of you rather than because you trusted in God or did something because he told you to do it. We can actually trust in the blessings of God rather than God himself. What do I mean by that? Well, we see that in Hezekiah's life with the pride of life. He said, look at how much God has blessed me. I must be special. Now, he didn't say that with his words, but he sure said it with his actions. And we can do the same thing. We may not say that with our words, but we could surely say that with our actions. Rather than thinking that everything is by grace and grace alone, we could think it's by us and us alone. Well, yeah, it's like me and God were working together and like if I wouldn't have done this. No, God even gave you the breath to breathe to even do anything. The verse that I've been thinking about when studying this last week and this week, just thinking through for my own heart and something I would think to you, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 12. I think it's 1 Corinthians and maybe 2 Corinthians right now that I'm thinking of it, but I wrote down 1 Corinthians 10, 12. It says this, Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Let anyone who thinks he can stand, that you can persevere, that you can just do life on your own, that you can figure out you're so special and amazing, you better watch out because you can still fall. And it's often those times we need to constantly be on guard against the flesh and the devil, making no provision for the flesh like the Bible says, in the times of success. Because then we have to proactively pursue Jesus and his word and not forget about God. I mean, you've done that before, right? I know I have. I've forgotten about God. I've gone like hours in my day and haven't even talked to him or prayed to him or read his word. Or I'll read his word in the morning and by the afternoon, I'm doing something totally different over here. I just forgot about God. It happens to us all. And we need to make sure that we stay humble and not walk in pride because pride is dangerous. And we see this happen in Hezekiah. And maybe this is why Peter, the apostle Peter, a follower of Jesus, wrote this in 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. You, therefore, because of this, beloved Christians, 
Knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with air of lawlessness. People and lose, uh, lose your own stability. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We need to, for our own good, continue to look to Jesus, remain humble, and fight against the flesh and pride of life. Hezekiah got caught up in the things of this world and the pride of life, and so it caused him to drift. And notice he had to repent to get back to the place of humility. He relied on success rather than relying on the Spirit of God. Has that ever happened to you? Just... I don't have to put any energy. I mean, that's, a, that's our own natural way. When we get efficient and good at something, it's like good. We're efficient, so we don't have to think about it. Even if you have a job, you drive for an hour, you lose that drive because you've done it so many times, you don't have to think about it. And because we live a life where it's you wake up every single day, you go to sleep every single day, you usually have your house, you just do some mundane things that you don't think about. And that's not okay with God. He wants you to thank Him, to give Him glory, to incorporate Him into everyday life, the mundane, uh, minute, different stuff, the details of your life. And here's what I want us to see in tonight's study of this story as we sort of just do a recap and think about this testing. God, in His mercy and love, wanted to show Hezekiah his sin so he would repent. That's the whole crux, the whole point, the major theme. The only reason I'm having a different message on the same content or story because on God's point of view, he wanted to pour out his mercy and love to show Hezekiah his sin so that he could repent. And he graciously sent a test to reveal what was in Hezekiah's heart so Hezekiah can clearly see it. And he does the same thing for us. He graciously sends us tests and trials and things in this life so we can actually see our own heart and repent and turn to Him. In 2 Chronicles 32, 31, the end of the text that we just read, of the recap, it said, So in the matter of the envoys of the princess of Babylon, who had been sent to him, to Hezekiah, to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, that, that son going forward and backwards, that sign, God left him to himself in order to test him, to know all that was in his heart. That's a scary position to be, to be left alone by yourself. I'm thinking right now of a story in Moses where God said, okay, I'm just going to I'm going to go there and I'm going to wipe out these people and do this. Moses is known as the most humble person in the world, friend of God. He said, God, if you go there and if you send me there and you're not coming with me, I don't want to go. I don't want to be left alone by myself. I don't want to live this life without you. Notice how Moses was the most humble person. God blessed him and he was a friend of God and he was transformed by God because of his humility. And in this moment, God is leaving Hezekiah alone to himself so that in order, there was a purpose. It wasn't like he was cruel. He wasn't forsaking Hezekiah. But he said, okay, I'm going to give you a situation to see what's in your heart so you can see. It's going to be a test to know all that was in his heart. God left Hezekiah for the moment to show him 
what was really in his heart. Another way of saying this is God allowed Hezekiah to see the reality of his heart. You see, our hearts can and do deceive us. That's what Scripture says. Let me give you a practical example. If you've ever been in love before, your heart deceives you. You don't see all the weird, quirky, terrible things about your partner or the person you're falling in love with. And that's okay. That's a good sign, right? Like you, you, ever, you don't notice like the, the little minute details sometimes because you're so infatuated. You're so in love. There's feelings. And then sometimes when you get married and after a few years, you're like, I had no idea he had a wart on the middle of his forehead. What's going on? <laughs> it is crazy, right? We, when we get infatuated, when we get so narrow-minded or so focused, sometimes our hearts can deceive us. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. It's good to have emotion. The Bible says it's great. However, it is a bad thing to be deceived by our feelings if it causes us not to have faith. And this is what our heart can do. It can deceive us in situations to cause us not to trust God and to trust other things. And that can be devastating for us. That could be devastating for us. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and 10. This is what it says about our feelings, our heart, who we are. The heart is deceitful. Did you know that you can lie to yourself? Deceive yourself. Your own perspective, your own bent. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who, my heart? Yes, it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, the Lord can. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God can and knows our hearts, and he tests us for our good so it could be revealed and we could actually know. Like, you can't really repent unless you actually know the true situation. And God sometimes wants us to know, like, listen, you're really broke. You really need me. Here's life without me. You want to go do your thing? Great. I still love you. I'm here for you. You can repent, but go ahead and do that and see the consequences, see the pain, see the suffering. I'm here for you. You know, this is why teachers have tests to reveal things, right? Think about it. We've all gone to school. If they, uh, teachers, if they want to teach you and they want to know if you're doing it, they're doing it right and you actually know the content, they're going to give you a test. Now, no student, especially my son, who's a straight-A student. No student likes tests. Why? Because it stresses them out, man. It's uncomfortable. They got to go, instead of doing their own thing, they got to study over the content, look it over, then you have to pick A, B, or C, or write a report, and it's extra work, and it's uncomfortable to take a test. But we as adults, and especially as parents, we would never take away tests for our students in school because that's actually a good way to know where they are at. If they take a test and they're failing in reading and two grades behind, we want to do some work and help them, that student, come along in that area, right? That's why there's annual tests, quarterly tests, and there's constant testing so that way we can improve and mature and get more and more and more and better. It makes perfect sense. So why do we look or downplay when God wants to test us and reveal to us where we are actually at so we can grow, so we can mature, so we could just know, oh, man, I didn't even know I was... I was totally, uh, totally greedy in this area. L- let me give you an example, because recently I feel like I just went through a test. My daughter, she has this, this generous heart, 
Like so much so, she's one of those persons who just give money away. For Christmas, she gave presents to people and did all this different stuff. And I found myself, my heart, getting mad, getting angry, getting upset. Why? Well, because your pastor is a greedy person. That's why. I was just greedy. I was like, that's too much. I don't want to give that, per- that kid, I don't know, I want to give you a gift. I want to do this. I want to do-. And it's like, hey, she's giving all this stuff away, doing this stuff. And I found myself being like, um, man, I-, I find there's greed in my heart. I want more for myself than I want to give to other people. So I had to pray about it. And recently, about a month ago, it may sound silly, but this is just my life. I found a pair of sunglasses at a gym. Okay, and this isn't just any gym, and this isn't any pair of sunglasses. Okay? This is a gym in Boca. Boca Raton. Okay? A bougie gym. Okay? And these were Ray-Ban sunglasses. Let me give you a little backstory. When Pastor Rob and I went to Madrid to do ministry, work, all that different stuff, uh, went to the conference, it was amazing. On the way back in the airport, European style is pretty awesome. Like you can get some designer stuff that's really cheap. So I was trying to catch a deal, do stuff. And I saw these cool sunglasses. It was by the brand Polarized. Never probably heard of that brand, probably because it was only in Europe. But these glasses were pretty cheap. They were pretty cheap uh, for, they were for like, you know, only 40 bucks when these sunglasses, the Ray-Bans that I wanted were exactly the same for like 200 something bucks. And I was thinking, man, these look pretty good on me. These are amazing. I think I may check. I mean, I need a souvenir, right? Come on. This is, I'm in Europe one time. Just do this. But I was pretty proud of myself because I was like, Daniel, you do not need that. You do not need, you've been praying to not be greedy. You have the best pair of sunglasses you ever, I, I've, I just got my first pair of Ray-Ban sunglasses for the sabbatical. My wife got them for me because we were doing 3,000 miles of driving. They made a huge difference because I have bad eyes actually and the polarization is like really helped. And I was like, I can't believe I've been having $5 sunglasses. Actually, that's expensive. Dollar pair of sunglasses for all my life. So I'm, I had a victory. I had a small bit. I was like, you know, I put them down. I said, in Jesus' name, no. I'm just going to, I was like, I don't need two pair of glasses. I got one pair of glasses. That's all I need. I need to stop it. It was a small victory for me. You laugh. It's silly, but this is just my, this is my struggle, all right? Okay? You repent of your own sin. So then I saw these sunglasses, the same ones I was looking at, and they were on these stairs, and I just picked them up. I was like, these are amazing. And so I just went up to the desk. And I was like, hey, man, I found these sunglasses. Uh, they're really amazing, you know, whatever. And then I just kept on working out with a friend. It was Alan. Came back in town. Didn't even think about it until later. Until later. I was talking to, to Alan. He was like, hey, man, those are, those, are pretty, those are pretty nice sunglasses. I was like, yeah, yeah, they, they were. I was just looking at a pair like that. These were amazing and blah, 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 you know. And, and I was thinking, shoot, I'm glad I didn't think about it. I may have been tempted. I may have just kept these things. I'm glad you were with me, man. But then I was thinking about this situation. I'm reflecting about it. And I realized in that moment, I had not even been tempted to take those glasses. It didn't even come across my mind. Like, I had to look back and be like, whoa, those were $200 glasses, and I could, I could have kept them. No one have saw. When I saw the glasses on the stairs, I just saw, bummer, someone lost their glasses. Let me pick them up. Here you go, man. Uh, someone lost their glasses, and I moved on. And then God brought to my attention something that was in my heart, that I had been praying to be less greedy, not be stingy, not cause me to stumble in that way. And I was so happy. 
Because I was like, God actually heard my prayer. I didn't even think about it. That was awesome. That's an answered prayer. That's incredible. That test showed me what was in my heart, how God had transformed me in that way. Now, am I still greedy in certain areas? Of course I am, okay? I'm still praying for it. But it was a small little thing that God, looking back on it now, was so happy that he revealed to me what was in my heart, and he answered my prayer. And God gives us tests and trials to see what we're made of sometimes to show us, hey, you are growing. You are maturing. You can do these things. You're not the same you were two years ago or two weeks ago. He hears us. You know, David said this in Psalm 142, verse 3, when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. We have to trust that God knows what is best for us and wants to save us from the trap of sin, our greatest enemy. And so he taught Hezekiah something super important, what was in his heart, and he brings a test to us to help us see what's really in our hearts. Just as God sent Isaiah the prophet to confront Hezekiah, he gives us his words to confront our hearts and test our hearts. You may remember this verse in 1 John 4, 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, the word of God can help us to see what's really in our hearts, dividing our feelings, our soul and marrow, the things that are in and going on. We're very complicated human beings, but we're in a culture right now where we value so highly our feelings. If we feel it, it's truth. That's not what the Bible says. You can feel a lot of dumb things, and you can regret a lot of things. It doesn't mean just because you think something that you are absolutely right. You are not the smartest person in the room. God is. He knows how this whole thing works. And sometimes it's best to submit your will to him and what he says, even if you don't feel it. Don't be deceived by your feelings. There's a lot of things I feel. But I think about the verse in in Ephesians where it says, well, don't sin in your anger. Nothing wrong with feeling things, but don't have them dictate your life. Don't sin in your anger. Don't do this in your stupidity. Don't do this in your frustration. You can feel a lot of things. And we live in a day and age where it's just, if it feels right, if it's in your heart, no, you can be a false prophet. Did you know that? You can have a deceptive spirit in your soul thinking. That's why the Bible says to renew your mind. To not be conformed to the world, but renew your mind so you could actually walk in the will of God. Just because we want it or desire something does not mean that it's actually good for our lives. We need to test all spirits, including our own spirit, to what God has said. And this test from God was to show Hezekiah this truth. This test from God was to show Hezekiah this truth. Hezekiah wrote a lament. You can read about it. I won't read it here as we close, but Isaiah 38, 9 through 20, it's the only section where Isaiah actually includes the lament of Hezekiah after he's healed. And in this big, long lament, this prayer to God, he says a lot of words, 
a lot of words about how thankful he is and grateful and he really was going to die in the land of living and how can God do this? But he saved him. And he writes this lament and then he praises God for saving him. Again, this is a normal and appropriate response to praise God when he saves you, when he heals you, when he gives you life. The only problem was this was an emotional response that Hezekiah had to this healing. He had an emotional response. Something that wasn't played out in Hezekiah's life. They were simply words and not actions. Let me read you the last verse of this prayer. Because Hezekiah says in Isaiah 38 verse 20, he says, The Lord will save me and we will play my music on string instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Hezekiah was big with his words. An emotional uh, thankfulness to God but he wasn't really big with his actions. Because after that, God left him alone. And rather than boasting in the Lord with his instruments and bringing people into the house of the Lord, he boasted in himself and he brought people into his own house, his own greatness. And this is a very typical response that people cry out when they need God, but they don't actually live for him or repent and change. And the Bible says that there is a saving grace or a salvation that you repent you turn your way it's not just an emotional hey i'm sorry good luck okay move on it's i'm now going to reorient my life and think like you god i'm going to confess my sin and come in obedience to what you say to live for that even in our submission to the lord we subject that uh, our feelings to him and his will and we say i'm going to repent i'm going to go to you so god gives hezekiah a test because He had a real emotional experience. He was healed. He had this lament. He had this prayer. He had this real emotional experience. And God wanted him to reveal. He wanted to reveal his heart. And he gives us his word to test the fruit of our lives. And so as we close in this section, I would just encourage you to embrace the test of God. God is not bringing forth things in your life to be cruel. He loves you. He cares about you. He loved Hezekiah, but he wanted to show Hezekiah that faith was more than just words or feelings, that his faith should produce fruit. It should produce repentance. And if you know the story, what we read last week, in verse 26 of that chapter, it said, but Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. One of the reasons God brought this whole situation to him is so that he would humble himself and turn to God. Maybe one of the reasons why you're going through so much pain or suffering or have gone through some painful things is so that God can pour out his mercy and grace in your life even more. So you can know that you need God. It's never too late to repent and turn to God in his spirit. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 say, If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. There it is again. We can deceive ourselves. We, our own hearts could lie to us. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, and that word confession means to come in agreement with. If we come in agreement with what God says about what is right and what is true and who is God and who is not, then He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We all struggle with the pride of life, sin. But as we mature in Christ, 
we're quick to turn and repent. That's how we get saved is repentance. It's how we live as Christians, not as perfect people, but as those that quickly repent. And you know what I find fascinating about Hezekiah? In 2 Kings 18, even knowing the whole story of Hezekiah, it still says there was no king like him. He was a great example. He wasn't perfect, but he was one that lived in humility and kept on repenting. And this is how we as Christians should live. One in humility, keep on repenting, turning to God. We guard ourselves when we agree with what God has revealed in his word and the revelation he's given us. And we're blessed, we're cleansed when we turn to him. And so the awesome thing that Jesus told us is that he would never cast anyone away. And when we come in a setting like this, we take communion and partake and say, we can examine ourselves and say, Lord, would you just now forgive me of my sin? I'm just coming to you. I believe that you died for my sin, that you rose again, that you're coming back. I am a sinner saved by grace. I need you. I worship you. I want my heart to be pure. Transform my heart. Purify my heart. Fill me with your spirit. I want to walk in your spirit so I don't gratify the things of the flesh. And did you notice how Sunday it just keeps on coming? It's just a continual thing. It's because we continually gather, because we continually cleansing, washing, reminding, repenting God to be God and us to be weak vessels that submit to him and trust in him and to know that in the midst of our trial and our pain and our suffering, there is a light that will shine in our dark hearts and even cleanse us of all of our sin. And we can rejoice in that. We can take joy in that. There is good news today that God actually reveals our sin and tells us we are condemned to go to hell unless we turn to him so we can find mercy and grace and know without a shadow of a doubt we can go to heaven, not because we're so amazing and great, but Hezekiah humbled himself and God gave him grace. And as we humble ourselves, God will give us grace. Amen? And so let's take time to remember that. Whatever may be going through, let's just sing these songs, let's pray, let's worship. We're going to finish our service by taking communion. The elements are on the right and the left. And we do this to remind ourselves that we are not perfect, that we need God. The Bible says to take communion only if you're a Christian, if you're a believer. But the good news is if you're not a believer, if you want Jesus to forgive you of your sin, you can experience salvation and forgiveness of your sin by believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, and you'll be saved. And you can just simply pray Uh, Right where you're at, whether you're in this room or listening online, you can pray and ask God to do a work in your heart. Turn to him and ask God to forgive you of your sin. Believe that he died and rose again for you. And uh, man, you can be saved and know that you can go to heaven when you die. And so let's pray, let's celebrate, let's enjoy God's mercy and grace as he demonstrated his love on the cross for us. Lord, we thank you so much for this message. We ask God as we just sort of did a recap tonight. Lord, that you would continue to remind us of all the important lessons that you've been teaching us through this series of Hezekiah, going through your scripture of Chronicles and just seeing you work in a man's life. Lord, we pray desperately you would work in our lives. As we come to you again, singing these songs, saying we need you, Lord, saying that we desire you, Lord, would you meet us right where we're at? Would you save? Would you give us grace and mercy? And may we enter into just this loving relationship where we have a dependence on you. And so in our ups and our downs, Lord, we trust you, we believe in you, we turn to you once again, and we celebrate all that you're doing in our lives. May we just enjoy this time together as we conclude with just celebrating communion and your love for us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. 
Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.